Friday, February 9th, 2020. Pablo, Christian, Dave, podcast at the Candlelight Cafe. Pablo's filming us. What do you say, guys? How's it going, Davo? Hey, Dave. What a nice breakfast that was. It was delicious, and we got Kala, and there's Sarah. All our favorite people are here. Who's that other lady who walked up? I don't know. Was she a server? No, that lady you just introduced me to. Oh, Nina Nina. Hale. The amazing... That's Nina Hale. Yeah. Not the other Nina. There is another Nina Dillon pair, not a couple. Right. But in the Pablo sphere, there is another Nina Dillon, and I just met Nina and said, oh... Were you the Nina Dillon was living with? To which she said, yes. Because? She is married to a Dillon, but not the Dillon Hicks. I was thinking about <laughs> Skybrook, who I believe lived with, lived with Nina Utney. That's so funny. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and when Nina Hale, as distinct from Nina Utney, makes her own clothes and they're really fabulous. Yeah. You showed a picture. <laughs> I did. I showed nice. a picture. Dave, so, are you awake? I know. This is the I'm post. Sort of zone, you know, I'm zoning out on these. It, 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 I, this view is great because I get to see all these kids frolicking in the snow in the playground at Kenwood School. For the listeners at home <sighs> or in their car or office, we are at the Kenwood Restaurant. We have revealed this location before, so don't yeah, look yeah, at me like that. I, no, yeah, no, no, I'm I not looking at you. I'm not looking at you like ago. that. I was thinking, or if you're on your space pod in the space. In Uranus. <laughs> in, of course. We are at the lovely Kenwood Restaurant, and it is a beautiful winter morning, and we have met to eat and podcast. We eat first and then podcast. There was well, some confusion <laughs> today. Kristen, in particular, was oh, very no. confused. Oh, not at all. Kristen was, uh, yes. There, it, well, uh, yeah, I was so not on my phone that. last night, and so I get on my phone at eleven, and there's a very heated discussion <laughs> about: Are we at Are we at Dave's? Are we at the restaurant? Are we eating breakfast first? What time? And anyway, for the listener at home, we have eaten breakfast already so you will yeah, well, get the coma so here food coma here was podcast. the issue yeah, but last time we were here we we podcasted and apparently there were some businessmen some douchey businessmen <laughs> at the next table who were concerned that this podcast might be recording their business secrets or something and you know my the- theory right about this neighborhood Oh. It's, it's a hub of international spy shenanigans mm. because the Wi-Fi here is really bad <laughs> in this particular neighborhood. And I think there's a scrambling situation going on. Mm. I could name names since I've nannied for about eight families on Oliver Street, but I won't. Really? Are they mafia? No, I don't think so. Just international espionagists. Yeah. They may be working for good. Not evil. I don't know, but I think there's something up. Liber- liberal espionage. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, we found let's go our with way here. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, so the, the issue was that I was thinking that it might be nice to have breakfast and then decamp to one of our places and do the podcast from there because then we could be more comfortable and kind of lay around on couches and stuff yeah. as we talked. 
and wouldn't have to be concerned about espionage business launderer <laughs> or guys. Um, Thank you for using the word in peace. decamp. <laughs> did, I, did I use it right? Yes, you did. Um, but not to be confused with decant, although you could swap them out. And there probably are the tools for decanting here at the restaurant. Yeah, there definitely so are. Say, so what's the deal? Oh, oh, so the thing was that we were talking about, you and I, Kristen, yeah. which we're talking about possibly doing, what, the podcast first and then lunch. Right. Instead of breakfast and then the podcast. Right, because, because that was the first do, one we did. We could go to my house and do the podcast. And the, yeah, we did that that yeah. way at that time. Yeah. But I think we had, didn't we have breakfast and then podcast and then lunch? No, we only had, we had podcast <coughs> and then we had lunch. Oh, yeah, at uh, Georgian's Dragon. Which, because I thought it was really funny that we spent an hour and a half talking and then we went to lunch and then we talked for two more hours. Yeah, right. And I really <laughs> thought that was kind of like, you know, funny. Yeah, yeah it was nice. I'm um, not going to say a lot this podcast because I want to be known as the quiet one. <laughs> I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. We were already yelled at for being too enthusiastic and loud. Yeah, what was that all about? <laughs> I heard that as I, I, I came a little bit late and they said that they had been yelled at. Tell us the story of that. Well, I thought Prabel knew the dudes. I, yeah, because it was a funny exchange where these two... First of all, I thought one of them was our friend, old friend John Allen. Who works at the Bell, by the way. Oh, does he? Mm-hmm. Oh, fantastic. Well, we went to Children's Theater with him. Heck of a guy. I and thought that, it was that him. That guy did look like John. It, he totally looked like yeah. him. So I thought John's I... John's better looking. Thank you. I think that's true of all our friends. They're all better looking than anybody they resemble. But they were a couple of nice gentlemen, mid, mid-50s, whatever, looking good, talking earnestly. And Pablo and I come in, and we're having just Pablo-Kristen conversation, you know, enthusiastic, passionate, loud, hilarious. Witty. Witty, yes, being ourselves. Insightful. We, I think we were fighting about... <laughs> Where to sit. Where to sit. Um, and you were pretending to defer to me. <laughs> Yeah, I was pretending. Yeah, that wasn't going to happen. And and one of the guys says quite aggressively, um, "Are you going to be this loud? You're being so loud." Oh but my in God. a but in a funny kind of jokey way. Yeah, I'm not sure if he was trying to jump in on the conversation we were having with I don't Kala. Think so. You think he was serious? Yeah, I think I he... should have punched him in the throat. <laughs> no, I think I think that that we were being <coughs> expressively loud, and it was a moment, and they were in a conversation. And he just had a reaction. What's so funny is that you because and I a company or are known uh, as <laughs> the very quiet circumspect, very <laughs> quiet, circumspect. I mean, pretty much introverts. Yeah. And so I think it's funny that we crossed some uh, threshold. You made a breakthrough. We crossed an invisible boundary. It came but, out of your shells. But Pablo, I mean, this is funny. He's an extrovert. I'm an introvert. But the thing is, is you <laughs> perceived... Right. Are you laughing at me, Dave <laughs> Capel? <laughs> yeah, you're such an introvert. Uh, such a little shy. You're also a liar. <laughs> <laughs> All these things could be true. Or are they? Dun, dun. But no, the, but I've, I've heard that said by a lot of people who are externally, who appear to be... Extroverts are actually introverts. Yeah, I, I don't know that I buy. I'm an introvert. <laughs> are, do, I mean, seriously, do you think about yourself I think, that way? Uh, all of that is ridiculous. And, <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't think anyone is any one thing. 
And I, I mean, maybe like astrology, it's a useful tool for you to talk and think about yourself. It's a frame, spectrum. Frame yourself, yeah. You frame yourself as a shy yeah, spectrum. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think spectrum. that's, I don't, I reject it categorically. Mm. Wow. But anyway, so the, there's some power behind this thing. Talk more about it. Let's, let's, let's explore this issue. I just think uh, the human psyche and experience is more nuanced and complex than binary okay speak for yourself you know things like um gay straight introvert extrovert i just don't it's not particularly interesting way for me to contextualize the human experience yeah I th- yeah that's that's good that's uh, actually eli and i were talking about this a bit um or no, maybe it was... Well, anyway, we were talking about somebody... I was talking to somebody about Tony Robbins. Did you ever see that movie, I'm Not Your Guru? Yes. Yes. Is he the guru? Yes. Yeah, yeah. He's the... You know, he had infomercial... He was one of the first infomercial guys. And whatever happened to him? He's doing a podcast. He's, no, he does He's huge. Well, I think he probably does. Yeah. No, I've listened to it. Oh, yeah? Okay. I'm not going to lie. Is it good? Tony Robbins. It was a certain flavor. It well, was like a fast sugar injection. He has seduced well, the best of us. No, his it, thing is, his. I think that his thing. He would agree with you, Pablo. That it's all about framing. Like we can frame our, our we can make our movie whatever we want it to be. And and to say that we well, for instance, in this movie, there's a guy at one of his conferences who gets up to speak on the mic, uh, on the mic and or Tony Robbins comes around and interviews him and says so what's it, why are you here and the guy is at the on the verge of tears and he said my I've never had a girlfriend I'm 32 years old I've never had a girlfriend I've never had sex. I, nobody's attractive I don't have any friends I got you know and he and I want that guy at my conference yeah that's a bold <laughs> choice to stand up in a conference yeah yeah and and Tony Robbins just sort of ruthlessly says wow dude that's a shitty story <laughs> we got to get you a new story <laughs> that's it because that was not working for you um and i think that that's and and he says uh, how about we reframe it like this you're you're young you're healthy you're you know which clearly you are um you know you've uh you're on the verge of making a great breakthrough in your life and making a great change you're here at this conference with all these beautiful people look at all these people that are going to be helping and getting behind you and they're going to become part of your new family and and blah 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 you know and he said that's going to be your story going for you know like going forward that you know we're getting rid of that shitty old story yeah, i think all things being equal that's a great idea it's hard to reframe your narrative when you're say in a concentration camp or trying to cross a border under threat of death or those kinds of things yeah i mean did so, you see so life I, is beautiful so i say it with, with caveats R- roberto Fellini. what was that no i don't like seeing any <laughs> movie where they murder jews yeah and I was going to say that's a little bit of white privilege talking to, right? That we all have the power to reframe our stories because it's very highly individualistic. I believe in reframing, absolutely, but I also think we're in these bodies and our intelligence and our experiences and our stories are, are embedded in our bodies. And the mental construct of stories is only as um, adherent as it enters into our body and becomes part of our body mind yeah but you can you can discover that uh, that uh, have you ever heard of landmark education oh yeah. my god thing? the business cult yeah yes. of course I've heard yeah, of yeah i have many it came friends. from est i think in yep. the 70s but I, I actually went to one of those weekends once and 
you know, yeah, it was a little bit culty, but uh, but one of the things culty. I I did take from it was just the whole thing of it, this woman standing up there saying to this woman who had a horrible childhood and she had been abused and, and uh, uh, she said, "Okay, well, I invite you to step forward from that and to leave that behind. I'm inviting you." And, and well, it's true that people can find hope and um, useful frameworks in many places and uh, kind, helpful souls like your bartender or your therapist or uh, family and loved ones and so on and so forth. I think that to Kristen's point, um, you know, we make the best efforts we can to frame our narratives how we want and we see what we can get away with, similar to identity. It's a question of what you declare versus what is declared about you, what you can get away with. And um, it's a constant struggle, especially in the Western world where we're trying to define ourselves and our culture defines us as well. Mm -hmm. It's a struggle. And and to a large extent, I'm of the opinion that it's what you can get away with. Hmm. Interesting. And what's, you know, I mean, I'm always interested in what does a certain narrative serve? Who's it serving? What's it doing? Even if it's a negative construction like that dude at the Tony Robbins conference. You know, he yeah, had, what is he getting out of it? What is he getting out of it? He's got to be getting something out of it for it to adhere and to stay with him. Well, it's an explanation for why he's a big old loser. That's, that's true, and, and maybe that serves him to not take responsibility or, you know, whatever. I, I'm not sure, but I do think that, um, I don't know, I don't know. Love, love, love. I don't know. I just, it, we're in February, you guys, and this is a hard time. I know, this is such a, yeah. It's so Pablo gray. and I were talking about that when we first got Ugh. here. Is that it, it's a, yeah, this is, every winter when we start into it, I, I think, okay, December and January are going to be just fine. That's ice skating and fuzzy sweaters and fireplaces and taking a sauna and doing it, you know. Uh, but... Man, you get into March, uh, February, March. Yeah. This is brutal. Well, the other hard thing is, uh, for me, <clears throat> Stephanie hates, hates winter. Like, really hates it. Wow. So, I'm not getting any kind of, you know, anything out of her. I'm not getting like, yeah, let's be proactive and do right. this. She's just in the, the um, cold spiral downwards well, through the March hole. Right. Or April. <laughs> well, actually. I usually got through February because my beautiful daughter, McKenna, has her birthday in February. Aww. So everything to me was, oh, my God, thankful, gratitude, my daughter, I love her. How do I celebrate her? What should I do for her birthday? You know, That's baking cool. and, yeah, everything was about that. Well, she's at college now. So I did make a picture book for her, and I'm getting the care package together, but... In terms of my situation in life in Minneapolis, it's still February here. <laughs> do, you, do you guys ever go south in February or March or like uh, to Cancun or no? I've never done that. I've gone to New York many times in February, and I'm going to Seattle next week. But yeah, um, no, I haven't gone anywhere, and I've gone to France uh, many times in uh, in like February. But where I go in France is not super warm. I mean, it's warmer than here, but it's. You know, if you look on a, on a globe, Paris is actually, nor- I think, at about the same latitude as Duluth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I think it's <laughs> north of here. I usually go to Tours, which is about 
you know, southwest of Paris. So okay. That's where my stepmom is. I just read a beautiful book called Paris in Winter mm. by David Coggins, but it's all about how it's not much, it's not any better weather-wise there. So then he has this wonderful tour through what he and his family does over the holidays in Paris in winter. I was just going to ask you if David Coggins is that famous elvish writer. Elvish? Like yeah. as a, he's an elf? Yep. I don't think so. Well, I didn't ask the question because I realized it's <laughs> not really a yeah, good no, question. There's, there's the two of them. What are you talking about? <laughs> I know. <laughs> what, what, should, should we talk about elves? No. No, no, just, no. <laughs> I was just thinking, yeah. David Coggins, I was like, I wonder if he... He's an elf. No, he's a he's a dude who lives in Minneapolis, and he and, and his son lives in New York. And wait, no, wait. he's not an elf. Is his son an elf? God, that I can't speak to. I, I can't speak to that. I, I just feel elf. like we should have more literature by elves. I'm. I'm. Is this uh, is this in your wheelhouse? This elf thing? <laughs> I thought it was robots and future. Yeah, and yeah. No, space. it's not in my wheelhouse. It's not in my wheelhouse, but. I'm just saying how much good elven literature is out there. I mean, we have people cosplaying. I get that there aren't real elves, but how many people are writing books, uh, you know... As elves? As elves, like... Well, do you think that they would be, you know, uh, uh, forthcoming? What are you talking about? about el- el- elf we have authors a lot of vampire, about elves? We have a lot of vampire books oh, by yeah. supposed vampires. You know, from the perspective of vampires, I don't know that we have a lot of first-person elf books. Oh, Especially, like, person. travel books, like, me and my little elf and elf woman went to New York, and this is what New York is like for an elf. Yeah. That's oh, interesting. Here's like, your young adult novel. I don't think it's that interesting, actually, but I, it's what I thought, so my but, apologies. No, that's okay. You come out with it. But now you've got me going, because I think about that book, The Borrowers, about all the oh, yeah. people who live under the floor, and I think, wow, are elves... I mean, there's Will Ferrell... He was tall, but <laughs> are elves? Are, are there? Are, is there a the gradation of movie. heights for elves? Well, I mean, to dive a little what deeper. Did, what were the into elves this? like in the in the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings? Tall, they were they were tall, ethereal, yeah, they were tall. Uh, long lived. They were like right. uh, Kate Blanchett, wasn't she an elf? Yeah, she was actually, movie? I think, a high elf. Who was yeah. the other actress who was an elf? Who was the You're thinking daughter of, of a what's rock her star? It's, yeah, Liv She's Tyler. So, yes, I love her. She's and wasn't yeah. uh, what's the uh, uh, Orlando Bloom? Was he an elf? He was also an elf, but yeah. not the same type of elf, I think, as the other two you mentioned. I mean, uh, consider the evolution of the vampire in our, you know, literature and how it went from one thing to being sparkly and Mormon-esque or whatever. I don't know what the um, True you know, Blood. The, in the, well, not True Blood. I was thinking you of the Twilight books. Like Coach you know, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hot. You know? Well, hot and sparkly and just, you know, the rules changed. Like the vampiric rules changed because the author, Stephanie Whatserfutz, is it? I don't know her name. But she introduced a whole new sort of... Um, What's that vampire Lestat author? Well, that's uh, Anne Rice. Anne Rice, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. she was very popular and she introduced a whole kind of... Uh, that was like 80s, right? Anthropology of she was vampires. Didn't she write um, Vampire Erotica? Diary of a Vampire. She wrote a lot of erotica. Yeah. Yes. Was it Vampire Erotica? I, I, um, I don't think it was. It, it may have been, um, but I think that there were sort of like fairy tales, sort of traditional fairy tales that she uh, retooled into erotica. Huh. 
all that to say, if we've got to talk about this anymore, all that I'm saying is <laughs> somebody, it it's my up? fault, somebody should be writing uh, a new uh, model of elf for yeah, contemporary yeah. literature. I wonder if that could be applied to any of the other old chestnuts. Now that we've gone down the elf hole. Yes. What, elf it's hole. Like what, okay, so we got vampires, elves. What are, are there uh, leprechauns? This conversation uh, is actually making me sad. I know, it's kind <laughs> of Everything making is me making sad, me, yeah. too. This is so hard. It's February. And it's my fault, which pans out. I know. It's okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's you okay. guys. It's hard. <laughs> I did this to you. I know. Well, next year, you better believe I'm going to plan better for February. Right? What are you going to do? Uh, I'll just go someplace where the oh sorry where the sun is. I was I was curling the what's this called? The cable. A cord. Cord. Cable. And I got the sign from Dave. Oh no no I was gonna no 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 I was I was trying to make it get a little bit oh, closer. Oh okay I was misreading Very the sign good. language. Okay let's see okay. this sign. Yeah we're, we're fast. forefinger and thumb together is closer to the mic. Closer to the mic. This sign is oh, sexual intercourse. <laughs> oh God, pops. <laughs> this sign is wrap it up. Is wrap it up. This, this sign, sign is say that again. Oh is no, mouth but ping pong. Yeah, I don't know. That's that would be when, fellatio. Yeah, of a certain kind. <laughs> yeah. Use your imagination, Dave. Audience. Do you have an agenda you wanted us to oh. fall in step with? Well, I was thinking about topic wise. Uh, pets, uh, dogs, pets. Um, Thank you. Thank you. It's been a while since it, uh, since I've had a dog or a cat. Let's or get a gerbil or a yeah let's, lizard. Let's get let's stick to dogs since that's a topic of great affection uh, for me and uh, and I'm what matters. Well, wait, <laughs> wait a second. Wait a second. Let me let, let me say let me put some context on on this too before you go down a, your your dog hole. Um, <laughs> oh God! <laughs> um, I uh, uh, so I, I participated it's right in this. next to the elf hole. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Um, and if you're lucky, you can hit them both with one shot. Uh, uh. Should I hit the sad trombones button wow. on this? Yeah. Um, I uh, I participated in this uh, happiness research study. I th- have I talked about this yeah. before? Yeah. In this? Yeah. But anyway, one of the things the guy who who did this study did a TED talk and or some such, and uh, there were a lot of things. The gist of the whole thing was that human beings are really bad at knowing what makes them happy. They think that money makes them happier, new car or things or whatever. But in, in actuality, the, the there's a lot simpler things that actually make us more happy. One of them is a relationship with animals. True. I was going to say pancakes, but yeah, you're right. No, see that you're very bad at knowing what makes you happy. Pancake, well, <laughs> pancakes may make you happy for a fleeting moment. It's got like alcohol, you know. Um, but. You know, a sense of community, a family, having a family, that's yeah. one of them. Uh, being in a flow state is another one of them. You know, uh, being you know involved in something that you love to do where you're, not, where you're only thinking, thinking of that thing. Um, but high up on the list is a relationship with animals. <coughs> which, pro- which is like family and flow state, right? But, well, it's a, it's a separate thing, though. Being, uh, feeling a part of the animal kingdom, having some sort of a rapport with a species other than your own. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that it's yeah, it's sort of uh, maybe the flip side of, of uh, human community, also having an animal community and, and feeling that you have a connection to nature, maybe is what that has to do with. Um, but I remember <laughs> Pablo and I are <laughs> the eyes are going back and forth. I'm listening. I'm listening too. We're both listening. Well, it, it just occurs to me now that we're in this neighborhood where I used to live when Eli was little and I was married to Joyce and uh, we had two dogs, two cats, a chameleon, uh, birds, uh, fish. We had a bunch of pet. We had a menagerie over in that house. And when we went every night in bed, we had a king size, king size bed. And when Eli was little, he would spend maybe a couple hours in his bed, and then he would decamp to our bed. <laughs> um, I'm going to use that word a lot it's more. A That's a word. good word. Good word. And could you say he was decanted from his bed to decamp <laughs> in your bed? Yeah. Did well. You no, would have no, to self you can't decant. You would. Yeah, because okay. Well, let's wait, wait, wait. You can see. Yeah, you're taking me down some other. Okay. <laughs> another elf. The point hole. is, yeah, another elf hole. Uh, my point is, okay. So we, he would spend part of the night in his bed, and then he'd always wind up in our bed, and as did both dogs and both cats. Oh, so cozy. We had three humans, two dogs, two cats in that bed almost every night for a while, and. As uncomfortable as that was, I remember at times waking up in the middle of the night feeling so intensely happy mm. that this group, that I was part of this group of beings just totally. snoozing and, and, and having to contort to the shape of the, <laughs> the herd on yeah, the bed. Yeah, that does sound really being cozy. But... Uh, it's been years since I've had a pet, and the reason being that it makes it very difficult to travel or leave the. Ho- I mean, you're, it's a responsibility. You, your life kind of revolves around your dog or your cat. Okay, that's all I have to say about that. <coughs> Pablo, pets. I would like to digress for a second and officially institute the term elf hole (laughs) to mean when someone brings up something tangential (laughs) and ridiculous. Yes. For no good reason. I I think we can say second emotion. May it be so. And so it is. And so it is. I, um, you know how when you're with a partner and you start um, thinking like, well, I, these are all the qualities I love about this person. If I was going to be with someone else, what qualities might I desire? And when I have that analysis with uh, Stephanie, the person that I desire uh, is actually a dog. <laughs> is, it, is it Moses? <laughs> well, Moses, yeah, who's my, Moses, my uh, dog who's Moses, now dead. Um, but yeah, all of the things uh, I feel like I am missing in human companionship, a dog would be well suited to address. Um, in other words, yeah, dog. So I don't know. I think uh, I'll say um, Moses died two years ago, and I babysat a uh, puppy sat. Um, who's uh, who's uh, Moses had a do- was my dog. Yeah, you I had, had a dog. I had a dog oh. for thirteen and a half years. Oh, yeah, Moses. I don't remember that. Or I must have you met him must at a have cereal met him. party. Yeah, you must have met him at a cereal party. Although we didn't. Yeah, because we were hanging out then. Yeah. Um, but um, I was puppy sitting for a dog uh, the other day, a puppy, and uh, the owner had uh, brought the dog over and had forgotten to uh, bring uh, food. Hmm. And um, 
and had brought maybe uh, not enough uh, poop bags. And as soon as the dog got in, I was immediately focused on, all right, let's get the bowls out, let's get this dog some water, we'll go to the neighbor, ask for a cup of dog food. And there was something so freeing about that responsibility, which I had not felt in a long time. And I wonder what that does to someone. I wonder what that obligation to nurture, to support uh, does. I've got a theory. It takes you out of yourself. Yeah. Self-centeredness, as I read in Psychology Today once a few years ago, is the king of all psychological maladies. Mm. I know as a recent empty nester, when I get McKenna back in my clutches, oh my God, I want to do stuff for her. And she doesn't want me to do anything for her usually, except maybe give her money and, you know, get her places and enjoy. We enjoy each other's company a lot. But just knowing that I'm her mom and she's there gives me a purpose that is a joy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's the big is difference. Nice? You can't leash her or lock her in the room. Well, <laughs> I mean, everybody's parenting styles are different. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> But what was it, so? Uh, what, what was your life like with Moses? Were, did he go everywhere well, with you, or did uh, yeah? So it's interesting. Um, like on video, sh- like when you went on like day shoots. And well, I like was that. married you- when we got Moses, so uh, the circumstances were complicated because we got married, we bought a condo, we got Moses, and then my wife at the time uh, was diagnosed with a very rare form of breast cancer. So um, we were new to marriage, new to dog, new to everything, and um, sort of chaos ensued. So for the first six years, uh, five to six years of uh, Mosey's life, uh, we had a, there was a team sort of caring for him. And then uh, through circumstances, which I will not uh, go down the elf hole for, mm-hmm. um, I ended up with full custody of Moses eventually um, at about, I guess, when he was six years old. And um, then it was kind of different, but he was already an incredibly well-trained adult dog at that point. Um, And I worked from home, and so he was home with me. (coughs) Excuse me. There were a number of select young people that I would hire to stay at my place when I was out of town, kids of friends, um, and they would care for him. Uh, But, he, yeah, he was with me a great deal of the time. Hmm. Did you grow up with dogs or pets? Uh, no, we, my friend Colin gave us a puppy when I was like um, in third or fourth grade that we really probably shouldn't have had because we couldn't care for it. And my mom had to give it away, which was a mm-hmm. great, great tragedy mm-hmm. um, of my childhood. But, uh, but no, we grew up with like guinea pigs and yeah. parakeets and that sort of the um, expendable variety of pet but um not dogs yeah yeah we, we always grew up with dog, uh, hunting dogs mm. yeah that's what moses was a vishla oh yeah oh those are really high strung dogs yeah a lot of energy let's say yeah. it that way yeah holy cow what kind of hunting dogs did you have then? uh black labs oh, those yeah. are great and they were yeah. bird dogs you know uh pheasant, pheasant. Yeah. my dad is mostly pheasant hunter um so they were highly trained Discipline. Okay, this is not an elf hole. It's about dogs. But have you ever eaten squirrel? 
Yes, I've had a couple of bites. Oh, Moses. That's a picture, I've seen a of, Moses. picture of Moses. Yeah. Let me see. Oh, there. Well, he, he My friend Dave, very Dave well photographed. Oh, yeah. Great dogs. Yeah. As did my friend Dave Hare. And, you know, the thing is, uh, I thought about getting a dog, but one, it's a huge amount of responsibility, and I have kind of a different lifestyle right now. Also, uh, there's a nine-year-old boy in my life that I spend a lot of time with, and I'm, and Stephanie has cats, and she doesn't want a dog over at her house. Oh, okay. And um, so I, I think it cats? would... How many cats? She has two, and they're great cats, but um, I think it would dramatically change the dynamics of the relationship, which I'm not super interested in doing. Yeah. No. So it's her fault. I'm not happy. <laughs> Are you tempted at all, Dave, to get a dog? Sometimes a little bit, but it, it, it just adds another, just more logistical considerations. And it, it makes, for the main thing is it makes travel difficult. Yeah. You know, I, my, my life sort of revolves around this yearly bike trip that I do that is a month and a half, you know, so. Yeah. Is um, that coming up? Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, I just spent a couple hours on the phone with Flacco couple days ago and we are going to meet in Warsaw and ride towards Odessa mm. and loop down through Romania and uh, yeah he, he this is going to be one of the legs of his longer trip where he's going to ride the whole Silk Road in Ooh, sections the whole cool. Silk Road that's yeah his, tell, his tell dream, folks what the Silk Road is oh, it's Marco the Marco Polo yeah route from China. Made of pure silk. Yeah. <laughs> Frabel, you had dogs. Did you have dogs growing up? We had a dog, a uh, collie, named Hallelujah, who was the That's great. sister. That's, that I know. Great name. Great, name Did and you call great dog. We called her Hallie. Oh, okay. But I remember, I mean, I loved that dog so much, and I would actually sleep in the doghouse with her sometimes in the winter. Oh, she was an I outside was, dog? She was an outside dog. Yeah, she really... I, I when I think of her, I think of her so fondly, and she was she she was. Were you guys on a farm? Yeah, we were on a farm on uh, Lake Independence, across from Baker Park. Huh. I mean, farm in quotes because we didn't really farm, but we did have alfalfa and soybeans and corn that a neighbor shared. Broken down cars in your yard? No, nope, we did not have broken down cars. <laughs> although we did have crazy rusted farm implements in the garage we inherited because it was a. It was an old farm. Um, and you owned it? Your family owned it? Yeah. Yeah. It was 80 acres, and we had a lot of room to roam. Did you have a motorcycle? My father had a motorcycle. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole nother story. Yeah. Where did I, where did I get that? I see, Did I see a picture of your dad on a motorcycle? Probably. Is yeah. he kind of a badass? Well, he was something. But did he, you ever know Frable's dad? Uh-uh. Yeah. yeah. I knew Ginny before I knew anyone. Yeah, yeah. I know. She's my realtor. She was your realtor. Ginny she Frable, sold you too. Edina Realty. I know. I know. I, I still have her Ginny mugs. I bring them yeah. out and have soup in them. Oh yeah, I've got th- those are <laughs> my Ginny mug is actually my best egg. Mug. I know. My, right? my, it's my a, microwave. It, egg oh, that's mug. hilarious. That's good for me to know. But we had Hallelujah, and my cousins back east had the other sisters, so they were a family of oh. collies, and we had that connection. And then on the farm, we had other dogs that would just appear for a summer. There was one dog, it was a large black lab, who I watched swim across the lake. 
And I don't know where that dog came from, but it became my dog for that oh. summer. I call it's it like a, a Venus uh, coming yeah. from the... It was amazing. I watched that dog swim across. Well, Lake Independence has a little tiny lake called Hidden Lake, and he swam across Hidden Lake. So I don't know where he came from. But, you know, dogs are a lot to take care of. And uh, they're, yeah. they're, they're, uh, our dog, Hallie, had a kind of sad end because it, she was not well taken care of at the end. That's too bad. And it was really sad. So I have a lot of, you know, tender feelings around the idea of dogs and, and who's caring for them and whether they're being cared for. And, yeah, yeah. Well, the, but the dogs also provide, I mean, not only from an emotional standpoint, but from a practical standpoint. Like, for instance, when we lived in this house uh, here in Kenwood, um, we uh, the, the, we had two do- uh, Boston Terriers. Oh, cute. And those guys just went apeshit whenever, like, the post, <laughs> uh, the, the oh, yeah. uh, mailman came or anybody came to the door, they would just explode. What were your Boston <laughs> Terriers <laughs> named? Uh, Buster and Pete. Cute. Nice. And uh, they, uh, yeah, so they were very attuned to uh, people coming, and mainly because they wanted to French kiss them. <laughs> um, they were the French kissing I thought that bandits. was French bulldogs. <laughs> I don't know if French, Frenchies French do that, but, but Boston Terriers are notorious for being French kissers. Oh, that's so funny. They're, yeah, they'll, they'll get you right Mo- in the back Moses would French kiss. <laughs> I, I was witness to that, and, and, and it's true. But anyway, we, uh, one of the neighbors um, came to us one day and said, did your house uh, get burglarized? And apparently some burglar had gone right down the street and burgled like the five houses on either mm. side of us but not us <laughs> those dogs and and they look kind of menacing yeah. when they're going crazy they look like you know little bulldogs yeah. like, with their little bulldoggy faces going ape shit yeah and they so they skipped us so i miss the physical companionship i miss having cuz i live alone i miss having uh, a dog in my space to just yeah, and you can talk to a dog, and yeah, yeah, they're yeah. We have a, I mean, human beings have had a symbiotic relationship with dogs for eons. They're sort of part of our DNA in a way. So, what initially got you thinking about? Well, Carrie Miller was just talking about dogs on when I was on my way here on NPR, um, and I was thinking about uh, just well, so. Going on dating sites, a lot of women have dogs and refer to them as fur babies. Oh, right. oh my goodness! I, I, that's <sighs> I'm, not, I'm not. I can't. That's I'm sorry. Worst. I cannot get behind that. <laughs> no. So let me let me tell you a brief story. Uh, my family, my aunts, all had Scotties, Scottish Terriers, when I was growing up. Uh, little Scotty dogs, and they would talk about them in the most anthropomorphized gross way oh who's a little baby uh, who's a baby and I just was repulsed <laughs> by it and I vowed if I were going to have a dog I would never never be like that and Oops. it took me about a week <laughs> you know and the other thing is uh, I remember um, 
uh, when Moses would do something, and I would try to rationally talk to him. I didn't want to be one of those people yelling because <laughs> I thought somebody, you know, the people that yell at their dogs, they, they look so ridiculous. So I tried to rationalize with him, and then I, I saw a guy trying to rationalize with his dog once, and I, I it's so much worse than yelling. <laughs> it looks so terrible, so ridiculous. It's so like- anyway, all that to say, you know, um, I see how fur babies is not a far step. I object to it only because I think they should be referred to as babies and given the commensurate rights and responsibilities of humans. I saw a guy at the airport yesterday talking to his luggage. Talking to his luggage? Yeah. This is important. What was he saying? He was saying, stay, stay, stay. Because he had his <laughs> things kind of piled on, on each other, and, and, the, and then he said, you bastard. <laughs> you know, like stuff like that. Like, and was that's a the road luggage warrior. responsive? <laughs> yes, it responded by falling over. I can't tell you how much I talk to myself. It is, you know, I live alone, <laughs> and I talk to myself, I talk to my objects, I talk to the room. I don't even know that I'm doing it anymore, and when I'm in public and I slip and I'm talking to objects, I become aware of it. I become aware of it. What do you say? Oh, I just, you know, whatever is necessary in the moment. To, you know. to get the luggage to behave? To get the saxophone to work, to get the luggage to behave, to get the, you know, ice to not trip me up. I just have a companionable relationship with lots of things. So you're talking to, uh, um, in accents? <laughs> so and I, now I, it begins. I've got, yeah, so this, uh. this is another thing that I wanted to bring up with accents. Because you guys do great accents, but I, I realized when I was thinking about accents that when I cook, yeah. and this is a good segue, because when I cook, I talk to my cooking, I'm do cooking but I do it in like a real uh, Wisconsin accent. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, let's put a little of this in here. Oh, yeah, it's going to be good. Oh, yeah, mm. here's a little spice oh, for yeah. that, but not too much. I'm going to take and put a little of this in there. Oh, oh that's, really oh, yeah, that's, that's going to be a good biscuit. Oh, it's going to be tasty. It's, I like the dough. Well, I think <laughs> when, you're, when you're talking about accents, one thing that's important to distinguish is, um, are we talking about ac- accents that are affected for sort of uh, comedy and social you know, ease and, and hilarity? And all, or are we talking about accents that are sort of um, from a place of discomfort, you know what I mean? Like um, like when you're with uh, people who speak with a heavy Minnesota accent, you, you go into that heavy Minnesota accent? Uh, no, I accent. guess I was thinking of like, um, say, uh, um, I just fell down the elfle. <laughs> There's a tangent. Uh, well, accents accents that come from discomfort. Well, I, yeah, you have one. to say more about that. I don't know what I'm going to pass to Frabel. Okay, I'll take this because he'll, he'll come around. So my daughter, it's so funny. And she wa- we were in Oakland in January, and she mentioned to a friend she was introducing me to that this is my mom who talked to the financial aid office with a southern accent and then her whole friend group just you know fell out <laughs> laughing but the story is that I um, my daughter who I love so much in maybe she inherited my uh, it's not exactly a disregard for details but it is perhaps not a facility for details how about in this any, yeah. a celebration of the lack of details thank you yes <laughs> Well, no, I'm not sure. Celebration did not ensue when there was a very specific thing left off the financial aid forms that resulted in my having to take out another $5,000 loan 
to keep her in college this year. So I was... Um, So I was doing a lot of phone calls to loan officers, to financial aid office, and I was I was gonna murder someone. I was so frustrated, and there's so much waiting, and then there's talking to people who don't have the power to change things or the expertise to explain things. So finally, I just I got on the phone one day, and I said, "Hi, I'm just calling about my fi- financial aid package for my daughter, and I just need a little help here. Do you think you can help me with this little problem we have?" And my it, stars. I mean, my stars, I don't know what to do, but this is just making my blood boil. And so I wonder if you could help me a little bit. And I talked for 20 minutes like that. Oh and, and I remember... You're a hero. <laughs> That's some balls, man. Well, you know what? It was so that I wouldn't murder someone or have a stroke. I was I so full, full of rage. And it worked. It yeah. cooled me down. For some reason, it just slowed the whole conversation down, gave me time to think, gave the other person <laughs> on the line time to get friendly with me and to really help me. As someone Maybe there in, should be a February accent. I think so. It <laughs> to really, bring us out of this, yeah, the good, February doldrums. I think maybe. You know what? And I use it with my piano students, too, because, you know, there's a whole lot of emotional vibe going on sometimes with the kids and uh, you know I've got some kids who are you know on the cusp of adolescence and those hormones and those emotions man they're flying around (coughs) so sometimes I just you know I say okay they're going to be Russian today because we're going to go old school with the piano we're going to be playing Rachmaninoff today. Oh, that's great. Whenever I order pizza or call a restaurant to find out what the hours are and Oliver is around, I'll do an accent of some kind and maybe it's a goofy one or maybe it's Russian. Well, uh, I don't don't know, but but, but you like that. You know, some sort of speech speech (laughs) affectation. And uh, it slays with Oliver. It's one of my best bits. And Stephanie... She feels like I am totally being disrespectful to the person on the other end of the phone, that I am um, (laughs) making fun of them, she feels. Uh, Again, I categorically reject. Well, speaking of categories, I think we have a section of uh, the podcast called Things Stephanie Hates. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. Are we going to stay in this accent thing? Oh, okay. Because I I just realized that when Eli was little, I used to do a character that was probably not politically correct, but it was... I like this already. (laughs) I'm terrified. It was a guy named David who talked like this. Well, that's Ricky Gervais's whole second half of his career. (laughs) That's hilarious. You're in good company. (laughs) But it was like head injury, Dave. Yeah. Like, I could... Eli, do you want to go for a walk now? Let's go to the park and play Frisbee. You know, there's something about taking on an alternate identity that is really helpful. Yeah, it takes you out of yourself. It takes you out of yourself. It kind of disrupts a certain kind of... Getting out of yourself. That's our theme today, Dave. Way to come up with it. Get out of yourself. Get out of yourself right now. Get out of yourself, get, Pablo. Get, get out, out of the yourself. elf hole. Get, get out, out of the elf hole. <laughs> no, or maybe go down go the elf hole. Go down the elf hole. Go down the elf hole. Get out of yourself and go down the In through the elf hole. In through the elf hole. Out through the elf hole. Hey, Sarah. <laughs> Hi, Sarah. How you doing? <laughs> you elf hole. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, how many accents can we come up with and for what purpose? So we know Southern works with financial aid officers. We know my dad spoke like, I don't know, 11 languages. He was a professor of linguistics and uh, he uh, had a record that was a single story about someone going to the store and purchasing something and coming back home. And it was um, done in all of these regional accents from uh, the United States. And so one would be like, um, you know, we went to the store and I got, another would be like, we went to the store and got the blah, blah, blah. It was fascinating. We used to play that record all the time. When I was Where is that yeah, record? Cool. I want to listen to know. that record. Fine. Yeah, they, well, you know, the don't you guys as actors, didn't you have uh, regional dialect uh, coaches and people yeah. and at Boston recordings U- and stuff that you had to listen to? Well, or? at Boston University, we had to analyze all the sh- sounds because each sound it has a symbol. So we, we would have to translate um, different dramatic texts based on what the regional dialect was that we were to learn for that character and it had to be translated into these symbols that meant we had an access to an exact sound to create the accent it was really yeah well that's hard. that's how linguists do it but like how do actors do it i doubt that all because no, i know there's like tapes isn't there that, that well, actors tapes, listen what to what she's talking about is actually an a, the uh, linguistics is a little bit uh different they're studying at the phonological and morphemic if you'll allow me to use that word level they're studying morphemes and phonemes and all that other kind yeah, of stuff. Right. It's a little more granular. Um, the point of a speech coach is to reproduce for the stage a particular accent. Um, yeah. So it's a proscriptive thing rather than a descriptive thing. And so they have a whole nomenclature and everything to sort of get you to speak a certain yeah, and way. Just it's like, its own school yeah. of kung fu. Yeah, but it's also like there's there's different accents, access points. So some people are, are gifted with the ear, so they can listen to a tape like you suggest, Dave, and they can cop the accent. But some people need to learn how it feels in their mouth because each accent is you know, French is more forward because you have the, you know, uh, Pablo's looking at me like, okay, you're trying this frame. Oh, uh, I remember, Bamal. you know, so Jennifer Bligan, you, yeah. you know her? Yeah. yeah. So uh, she was I in this play at the... I used to teach her students piano. Is she kids piano. famous Klingon actress? Yeah, <laughs> no, she's an elf. But um, she was in a play at the, at the uh, jungle and she did a great British accent. I couldn't believe it. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, it was spot on. And I, I, I asked her about it afterwards, and she said, "Oh yeah, I had a co- we had a coach, and I listened to a bunch of tapes." And and she said, "My accent had always tended to be more, more Cockney, you know, whatever, yeah, yeah, however yeah. you used to do it. But to do a, a real, you know, a, a higher accent or a whatever it was, a Manchester. I can't remember what. Well, yeah, that's. But um, yeah. There's a lot of different accents, of course, in right. England. Uh, you know, there's a Scot all the way from Irish to Scottish to, to and then there's the South the Welsh. African. Yeah, the, yeah, right, right. And uh, and all those require different pronunciations. And she was going through some of the words that were, that she had to re- relearn. But it's, yeah, it just sounded great. Well, well, here's the other funny thing. So my granny was British. She was from Ipswich. She had an English accent. And, um, uh, I grew up trying to do, you know, a British accent, but to your point, there are so many different uh, dialects. There's so many different accents, and there's so many different dialects as well. Like, 
um, and different ways of speaking. So when you're affecting an accent and it's believable, it can't just be the sounds. It also has to be uh, the words and the phrases. You know, there are certain things that someone from, say, uh, Manchester would say that somebody from somewhere else wouldn't. Just like something that somebody from the north here would say that somebody from the south here wouldn't say. Yeah. Right. And so when you're really trying to nail it, you know, playwrights have to spend a lot of time sort of getting that language right. And then um, dialect well, coaches have to spend a lot of time. And sometimes they screw it up. And what's interesting is a lot of times um, in a play or in a script, you'll just see a direction. You the, It'll just be, you know standard English, the line, but then it'll say in a Manchester accent. Huh. But then some playwrights will make it appear on the page the way they want it to sound, so that yeah. Viva they, la difference. They write it out phonologically? Not phonologically, but you know, it, it, with some kind of uh, direction hmm. within the word that leads you to say, you know, you get your draw, Rose. Oh, okay, so this I now I'm going to uh, go into the recommendations. Oh, I thought section you were going to say you're going to do thing. your English this accent. Is a good, oh well, no, you guys should do your English because <laughs> I can't do it. Yeah, uh, even by I, myself I really in the car. I guess, no, you guys just did it last week or a couple of weeks ago. It was beautiful. I it was know. wonderful. You did a great Australian accent. I can do a little Australian. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But again, that's the I don't know the difference between Australian and New Zealand accent. But, yeah. okay, things you like. That book that Pablo and I have both listened to called... Three-Body Problem? No, called uh, <laughs> The Story of Human Language. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, that's a good... I love that. Well, the series of lectures, the John this, McCorder lectures. lectures. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. That, yeah, so I was thinking that in our podcast that we should have a section where we do recommendations, and that's mm-hmm. my recommendation. Is it is an 18-hour... Le- lecture it, series is it 18 hours yeah i think it's something like 18 hours i don't know it's very accessible yeah yeah and that guy is delightful and he is he's delightful. great and it's it's wonderful and that's it a great of, recommendation yeah um so that's one of my recommendations uh another one is a show that i watched with eli the other day called love death and robots great seen it um and also the book that I'm reading right now called The Russian Gentleman. Oh, yes. Which is very sweet and kind and gentle. And it's about Soviet repression mm-hmm. during the uh, revolution, the whatever it's called, the Bolshevik Revolution. I don't know if that's history. <laughs> now, you didn't tell me about that book. I think my friend Jennifer Leibovitz told me about it. Oh, yeah, Jennifer it's kind of hot right now. It's, it's hot, yeah. Hmm? Oh, Jennifer Leibovitz. Jennifer Leibovitz, <laughs> I love her. I've had a treat, she I, I recommend Jennifer Leibovitz to anyone. She's <laughs> a fantastic person. That's my recommendation. Okay. Just go out and find her and talk to her. <laughs> All right. Um, any other recommendations, Dave? Nope, that's those it are, for me. Those are your three? I'm putting you on the spot. You guys got any? What you got, Pabs? I got to reference something on my okay, iPhone. I'll so buy you some time, yeah, brother. Okay. Time. Uh, I'm trying to get out of the house more, being that it's February. I went to see a fantastic play at Penumbra Theater. God, do I wish I could remember the name of it. Um, the White Page? 
The White Card, I believe that's the name of it, The White Card, and it's by Claudia Rankin, who wrote that fantastic book, Citizen. It's a play about access, race, economics. It's about projection. It's about a ton of stuff, and it's very good. It just was in previews. I went with my friend Kate Stanley, who I also recommend. Fantastic person. Okay, so that's one recommendation. And then my These are esoteric recommendations. Are they? Are they? Um, very reality-based, though. I'm trying. I'm trying for real, reality-based thinking. Okay, I'm going to okay. write, write these all down. Okay, my second recommendation is... Okay, no, I just lost it. No, I didn't. Andy Statman. Andy Statman is this phenomenal musician. Yeah, he's in New York. Yeah, he yeah, plays... Yeah, because I know a guy who plays with him. Who? At the, like, the Bowery Bar... Uh, it, no, Chip... Chip Henderson or Skip Henderson? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Chip. Anyway, a guy that I met riding my Brompton around New York one time, and he was on a Brompton, and yeah. uh, and we got to chatting, and it turned out he worked at the Whitney, and he, uh, yeah, he plays. He's a harmonica player, and wow. he plays with uh, with that guy, and well, he he told me all about him. Oh my God, he's amazing. He's one of my favorite favorite musicians on the planet, and my friend Craig Wright told me about his. Um, residency at the Charles Street Synagogue, and yeah, 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 yeah. This guy was go? telling me about no, I, I never got but go. he told me about that place. Yes. It's amazing. I, I it's amazing. Oh, I'll show God, you. A, yeah. I'll show, I took some photos of it, and it's an amazing experience because he's he's a, he's kind of like a rabbi as a musician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And every time I've heard him, I've he heard him. Is a, isn't he? I don't know. Some kind of a. I don't know. I know he's an Orthodox Jew. I mean, not, yeah, he's not yeah. Orthodox. I'm not sure. I, I'm in waters I don't know enough about, but I do know music. Jewish waters. Well, I know. Yeah, I love swimming in those waters, as you know. But I can't get out. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I highly recommend Andy Statman. Just a beautiful. Oh yeah, musician. I gotta check back on that. Yeah. Every Thursday yeah. night when he's in town. God at dang the, it! I wish I would have. You gotta go, man. We gotta go together, Dave. Because that would, wouldn't that be fun to go to New York? So, oh, we're doing it. We're gonna do the podcast from New York. From New York. Yeah. That would be really. We're fun. We're doing it. <gasps> okay, Pablo's ready. Pablo's got his eye- eyeglasses on. They look like they're upside down with those <laughs> crazy. <laughs> He's the, got his readers on. The way those on. N- the nose pieces. Work, yeah, they do it looks look upside, like down. upside down. But um, how's have you, my is my face right side up? Because your that's the face is beautiful. Oh, yeah, Andy Statman. Andy Statman. Okay, Pops, lay it on us. I did. So, uh, I am going to recommend uh, Young Fathers, which is a band that I heard. They were in our intro here. Yes, yeah. Um, I've been enjoying them greatly. Um, Exuma is another album. You know, our friend died recently, and this was one of his favorites. Dan Paul now. Yep. Exuma uh, is the name of the band? Yes, I believe so. Um, okay, I'm writing this down. Band Exuma. And E X U M A. Let me find out. We're doing a little googling, folks. Well, I'm just looking at my music list. Dave here. is writing in his uh, small Andy book. Statman. Charles Street Synagogue Thursday nights. Anyway. Um, yeah, so I recommend Young Fathers. I think it's super 
cool stuff. I've enjoyed everything young I've heard so far. And then the other thing is there are these young uh, photographers, uh, one of whom I actually know, and they just put out a collaborative art publication uh, called Ant, I think. And you can find it like on... A magazine? Online yeah, magazine? Yeah, it looks of? super cool. And um, I was just looking at that. Were you? It's Elena popping. Stanton is the photographer I know. And the website is thewhitejackalope.com. One word. It's not her website. It's one of the other contributors. But um, the publication is on there. And I, it looks super cool. So I'm going to buy that. And I suggest you do too. Okay, I love this. The web, thewhitejackalope.com? Yes, that's the one of the artists. That's their website, and where you can, I believe, purchase this or find out more about it. Yeah, and oh, pre-order. so it's an actual. It's an art publication that celebrates creativity document. and collaboration. Includes interviews with local artists, artisans, and uh, you know, it's made by these uh, uh, very talented young uh, designers, local? photographers. Yes, Minneapolis. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Hey, also, can I fit one more in? Lay it on us. You know, it's Black History Month, and mm-hmm. I've been really digging the Netflix docu-series called They've Gotta Have Us. It's oh, a, I just saw that last or I, I saw. I oh, made note of it last night. So fantastic. The history of uh, black cinema. Huh. It's fantastic. Very inspiring. Very uh, beautiful work. Huh. Huh. Is it a it's a documentary? Docu series, yeah. So it's I think there's eight. Uh, and what's it on Netflix? Netflix, yeah. Okay. Stream it. Do you have another rec- recommendation? Well, you, I can't do recommend, you recommend it. Me? I do recommend you, and I recommend Dave. I can't recommend it, but I did, as I was mentioning earlier, finally watch uh, Blowout by Michelangelo. Oh yeah. Michelangelo Antonioni, and uh, I'm you know I wasn't. Uh, crazy about it. It's kind of stuck with me, but I wasn't crazy about it. And I'd found it because I'd read a Pauline Kael review that was not a favorable (laughs) review of it. And I was just sort of curious what Mm. she was talking about. So I I watched the film. It's funny. I don't think it um, holds up well, you know. Interesting. Oh, you know what? The one that I really want to see is uh, Parasite. Yeah, I want yeah. to see that too. So many, and Let's I think go. it just came out on as on rental. Like, you know in the last couple of days. Can I just say that I saw it? But you did. It's really good to see it in the big screen. It doesn't. What about tra- a really big TV? A big TV, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I would see it again. Really? But, huh. but I, but I, I've talked to enough people who've seen it, and the ones who've seen it on the diminished experience, like their laptop. They didn't like it as much as the other ones did, which I, which I, I know, I know, I know. Maybe there's. I mean, they don't care. About I, I don't much. know. I don't know, but. I mean, I don't know how many things I, quote, watch unquote while I'm, you know, folding laundry, going down the elf hole. So are you dishes. are you saying maybe they didn't give it their full attention? Very possible. And you know what? I think that might be part of it because with the laptop, I always feel like I can walk away from it. Whereas if there's a screen and I'm in front of it, like a big old ass screen like you've got in your living room, I'm like, whoa, I'm there to watch this. I wish I was that way, but I, I, I turn on my big screen in my living room and I... I'm doing. Uh, I've I've got my phone and my laptop on yeah, my lap. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's, <laughs> yeah. what, I, that's what I do. Uh, question: When? What was the last movie you walked out of, or do you have a no walkie out of movie oh. policy? I don't know that I've ever walked out of. I one. walk out on 
movies often. I've never really? walked out on a movie. Oh, yeah. I never have either. I wish I could. Oh, I, I, I have become a little bit... Well, here's the funny thing, though, because I have a really great appetite for trash and, de- and like, here, dumb here. stuff. Uh, so I, it's, it's, it's mood-dependent, but I've definitely gone, oh, th- no, you know, no, my dear thing, God. The one thing that I've walked out on is improv shows. I've walked out on a couple. Oh, well, that's they get self-preservation. So squirmy. Oh, my oh, the, God. Is it because you want to be up there? <laughs> Secretly, that's my worst nightmare. I get, but the thing is, I mean, some some people do it well. God, those people are admirable. But so many people do it so badly, and I get so squirmy. It's exhausting. Well, I think that's one of the art forms where you just, if you want to see the sweet, sweet that it has to offer, you have to suffer through the sour, sour, and that's just the form. Yeah. You know what I mean? Ugh. Um, well, uh, if you're at a uh, if you're at a venue where there's that range, because it, you know sometimes you're there with the pros and it's magic. Yeah, but they I'd say even among the people that are exceptionally good at, at comedy improv, yeah. uh, there is a high failure rate. Yeah, that's you know? part of the the dance. Well, that's it. what I'm saying. Yeah, that's, it's that's a part of the run. and I don't mind it because yeah. that's the that's oh my the God. form. In the '90s, when I was working at the Bryant Lake Bowl, Danny Schmitz was running it. And he and, you know, some really great people like Annie, um, uh, Miley Flanagan, mm-hmm. um, I think even Lorna Landvik. There were other fantastic comedians doing a show that Danny was... Was this his bad magic bit nope, where he'd do the bad nope, magic? Nope, it was, it, was, it was some late night thing at the bowl. And it just looked like so much fun. And I said to Danny one night, you know, I'm waiting tables there. And I have no talent as a comedian. Um, can I just... Join in. I don't know what I was thinking. I just thought it'd be fun. They made it look so easy. Hard as hell. So terrible. Funny. They used me to good uh, comic relief, so somehow I, I was spared total failure. But it was more than apparent to me what a tremendous skill set is required for yeah, that. Yeah, it's, oh. it's, uh, it's super hard <laughs> for sure. It was terrifying. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I'm, I'm getting stressed out just thinking yeah, about it. Yeah, Jesus. you must have a deep desire under I don't, there yeah, somewhere. What is yeah, in I, there? Think, I think maybe... And I, actually, and that's the reason that I've even gone to more than one improv show <laughs> yeah. is to try and explore that in myself because I get so embarrassed for those people. Oh, really? Yeah. It's embarrassment, huh? Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm like, oh, my God, they're bombing. Maybe oh. you can do a huge workshop over the summer. They have these great... Um, I've, done, I've done a you improv have. workshop. You have? Yeah. Yeah, with uh, all the hand, How was the hand it? games and things like that. Yeah. How was it? Um, Did you mortifying? Oh, mortifying. <laughs> I mean, when we were doing the, the beep bop boop game or whatever it is, <laughs> I mean, that some of them were, fun, were super fun. It's like going to camp. This is interesting, David. Tell <laughs> yes, me about yes. your mother. Tell me so much about this, David. What desires are you hiding from yourself? But then I think back on, you know, when you're little kids, you're doing improv shows all the time, like, uh, you know, playing an airplane or house or, or playing doctor. No, we didn't play doctor. <laughs> well, there's um, a lot of improv in that game. Yeah, there's like, you want to play cops and robbers, you know, or whatever. Cowboys and Indians, or uh, we didn't play. Yeah, I think we did play Cowboys and Indians. We played TIE Fighters and X-Wings. We played War. 
in the yeah. pasture. Yeah, that's, Where, all, I mean, like that's real, all improv, with, right? With horses? Oh, no. Tie people up for hours. <laughs> capture people. No, seriously. It was like a brutal oh, I game. believe it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was not. Like uh, a Lord we were, of the Flies it was a little meets bit Wes Anderson like, yeah. meets it's, Lord of the like Flies. It's like go out and play, kids. You don't know what's happening out there. <laughs> they go out and play. This is the Frable sisters? Yeah, this is the Frable sisters. And the well, I did terrible things when I was younger in yeah. Chicago. We had rock fights and yeah. abductions, all kinds yeah. of terrible things. Yep. Like where you had rock instruments and you, <laughs> not like that. So we were School having our, rock stuff. There was a there was a you know sort of um, an, an abandoned um, building site, and some of the kids would gather. Actually, quite a few, like twenty kids. In my memory, it's hundreds, but it was probably more like twenty. Would gather after school and th- divide up into sides and throw rocks at each other. <laughs> and I was one of the younger kids, and I remember the kid right next to me got a rock right in the eye, yeah. and he. He collapsed and was bleeding. And then one of the older boys was like, all right, time out. And everyone converged. And the older boys sort of looked and the, they pronounced, well, he's a goner. And then uh, <laughs> <laughs> the kid, of course, was crying and crying and crying. And then somebody said, well, maybe we better maybe we better stop. <laughs> no, we're, when you say kid, was this all boys? Uh, These were all boys. I don't think I don't remember yeah. any girls being yeah. there. Yeah. It was yeah, mostly boys, yeah. ages seven to yeah. twelve, ten maybe. Yeah. Oh. Ah, childhood. Now, um, snuggling dogs. Let's get back to dogs. For yeah, a maybe we could end the show yeah. on a, on a um, dog snuggling. Let's image. do dog tributes. Okay, I have a dog tribute. My daughter's dog hero. Was I remember a fan- Hero. Yeah, Hero was a fantastic English Springer Spaniel that we got from a breeder in the middle of Minnesota, but we met at a McDonald's, you know, to do the handoff. And I got him as a little tiny puppy, and I was a really terrible alpha, uh, really not great at dog training. And I remember realizing that the dog was perfect, and fantastic and just was an English Springer Spaniel and that was the nature of that dog and that dog needed a strong alpha and that gave me an insight into human nature and dog nature that I've I've never forgotten. Yeah I think when we when you talk about dog training it's really people training. Absolutely absolutely people training yeah great dog. Do you guys remember uh, Sarah Janicek? She was, uh, remember when Al, Fra- Al Franken was, or, or uh, not Al Franken, um, <laughs> Paul Wellstone was killed in the plane crash? Yeah. Um, she was, I think, the chairman of the Republican Party in Minnesota or something. And anyway, she, this is during the first wave of Republican disinformation during the Bush era. And anyway, Wellstone was killed just before he was about to be re-elected to the Senate and uh, um, she spread some disinformation that at his funeral gathering that uh, the liberals at the the memorial booed Trent Lott as he walked in or something like that. Anyway, um, she was just a terrible person. She lied about it. I was at that memorial and they didn't didn't boo. Anyway, she was a liar, and I hated her. But anyway, she lived in this neighborhood, and she used to go to this dog park down on the other side of the lake here. Gotcha. Lake of the Isles Dog Park. Yeah, Lake yeah. of the Isles That's Dog Park. That's where we used to go. Yeah, and, uh, me too. 
I used to bring Buster, my uh, Boston Terrier, down there. And she loved Buster so much. That was her favorite dog at that dog park. What was her dog's name? I can't remember, but she was, was she there a blonde all the time. woman? Yeah. Yep. Is she still wore big furs? Among yes. Us? Yes, I remember her. I always had very nice interactions with her, but I knew a lot of people at the dog park that did not like her. Yeah, because she was evil. That is she is still walking among us? Is she having breakfast I'm sure. here? She's not a okay. Because she's not. I haven't that seen much her older a, than me. I don't yeah, think. I haven't seen her in a while. Yeah, yeah. she's probably five. Yeah, maybe What's five her name years again? old. Maybe. Sarah Janicek. I'm. Sarah, if you're I'm listening, please get in touch. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the hate. Yeah, yeah, but but somehow you know. So I wanted to hate her so bad, but <laughs> but she loved Buster, and she would take and Buster kind of loved her. Aww. And they and oh god. Yeah, I think she had a golden retriever. Yeah, I think I think you're right. And maybe two at one point. One, yeah. Uh, she was a funny person, yeah, but always nice to Moses and and always nice to me. Very nice, personable person. But I remember she would sometimes she would park on the, you know, <laughs> on the wood chips there. Yeah, yeah she'd yeah. pull right down in there yeah. with her Land Rover. Or yes, whatever. Yeah. It was. So yeah. is this a tribute to Buster as a diplomat, as yeah, a bringer outer of yeah. the goodness of as people, the trans-dimensional? Yes. Euphoric the do- love the dogs dog who offer. go across the aisle. <laughs> Maybe. <Yeah. laughs> yes, that's exactly what that was. Okay. Well, and the other thing that should be said about that is I think you can tell something about somebody by how they oh, treat sure. your dog or their dog. Or, or any dog. Any dog, yeah. Yeah. The okay, maybe that's where we end. And so it goes. And so <laughs> it goes. May you all find your way through the elf hole. <laughs> well done, Bob. I felt like I really oh held God. back that one. I was really the quiet one. <laughs>